Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. Uh, I want to uh, continue the series we've been teaching on love. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 is our opening text. And so we're going to read that and then we're going to pray and believe God for what he has for us today. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one another to another. Let's pray before we start. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this church. Thank you for each person here and just the fellowship and, and, and your spirit that we sense when we come together to worship you. And I thank you for showing up every time you've promised us when we come together in your name, you do show up. And so we thank you for that. And so I also thank you that as we approach your word, you're here to minister to us by your Holy Spirit through me to your people. Uh, I ask you just to get me out of the way and, and just deliver what it is through me that what you want us to hear this morning. Anything I've prepared that's, you know, we can just eliminate, just eliminate it. Uh, and anything that needs to be said that I haven't prepared, add it. And thank, me, thank you for helping me stress the things you've already placed in my heart that we need to communicate so that we can grow in this love that you've called us to. Give you praise and thanks for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I said, you know, we've been teaching now, this is the sixth week we've been teaching on love, and we've got at least, you know, six or twelve, six more weeks of this um, in this series, and then I don't know where we'll go from there, but I really feel, I really sense in my heart there's another 13-week series I have on love behind that. Um, you know, love is, a, is really an important subject that we can learn about, and I don't know about you, uh, if you've been here for any of these, and I would encourage you, if because I can't go back and review everything, and um, uh, every service, or we'll be here till three in the afternoon. Um, but if you if you haven't been here for these, I would encourage you to go out to our website, or if you if you use podcast, you know, uh, you know, join our show there, or whatever you call they call it, um, and uh, and listen to the messages you haven't heard yet on this love. But as I was saying, I, I don't know about you, but for me. Um, these have been helpful to me individually. I, I, I'm growing from these. You know, I, as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about, you know, um, you know uh, later in the fall, basketball season will start. As a matter of fact, football season starts today, so a lot of you guys are probably like, hurry up, i got to get to the pregame show. Um, promise I won't keep you too long. But, um, you know, I was thinking about a basketball and how tightly, you know, blown up and full of air that is. Um, you know, there's a lot of people blown up flare, right? <laughs> but I was thinking about, I was really thinking about this love series and how much it's impacting and changing my life, you know, um, in just a real practical way, you know, even in the little things, uh, as, as I'm in, I, I made a choice consciously that, you know, I've taught on this many times, but I'm going to change from this, Lord, change me. I want to be like you. Um, and so, you know, even just Saturday, I drove up to drop something, or Friday, drove up to drop something off for my daughter at JMU and back. And, you know, if you've ever driven 81, you know, headed toward Harrisonburg, trucks galore, and they always like to get over in the left lane and slow you down, and it just, just makes you mad and frustrates you. And, and, you know, typically, I'd get really bent out of shape about it. I'd get mad. I'd, I'd call them stupid, and you ignorant person, get out of the way. I wouldn't do it to them, but under my breath, I wouldn't. Sometimes really loud, I would. Um, but it was frustrating. But I noticed as I was driving back from JMU, you know, a truck pulled out in front of me, and I got ready to say, oh, you, and I just, it just arrested me. And I thought, you know, me getting home two minutes sooner 
is not as important as it is to me. Maybe that man's got something he's dealing with, right? And it just changed me. Just a little thing, it changed me. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I feel like I'm one of these basketballs that you're just you're slowly letting the air out of. Just, and all the self is being emptied out of me and more of Jesus is coming to live in me, right? And that's the goal. That's what we've been called to. We've been called to be changed. And i got to tell you, for me, it's so refreshing. When you embrace, you know, Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you embrace his way of living, when you really embrace what he has to say, and you make choices to change your life, you don't realize the impact it has upon all of your life. Because as I sort of sensed in my heart, that illustration of sort of that basketball, and you know, a knife being stuck in there, just sort of slow, I sensed all the junk of life just going and all this, this light and easy way of living God has called us all to live. And it's only found by allowing Christ to live through us. And so I don't know about you, but this series is changing me. And so because of that, you know, I really, you know, the scripture's true. I really believe the Bible. <laughs> How many of you really believe the Bible? And the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. So what that tells us is that our greatest quest in life as a believer is we, it should be so that I can walk in love. So that I can let the love of Christ shine through me. It should be our number one goal. It, our number one goal shouldn't be to achieve some sort of financial status. It shouldn't be to achieve some sort of dream or place or station in life. It shouldn't be to accomplish, you know, whatever, you get that vacation. All of those things are fine, and God cares about all of those things in our life. And he wants us to have those things. But those things should never be the goal. As a matter of fact, we're going to see here in just a moment, even our own personal spiritual growth, if that's the only thing we're seeking, then that shouldn't be the goal. Our goal should be to allow, the, to, to come to know the love of God and allow it to live through us so that we show it to others. And so that should be our highest goal. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Everybody say a gong and a cymbal. How many of you are all old enough to remember the gong show? How many of you are too young to remember the gong show? Well, we know Connie's lying. We'll have an altar call for liars at the end of the service. Just go Google the 1970 gong show. You'll get a kick out of it. But, you know, for anybody that was performing on the stage, it's probably, you know why Connie probably didn't like it? Because she probably was on the show and they gonged her. Did they gong you at some point? <laughs> they would have never gone Connie. She's too talented for that. But that being said, you know, um, you know where was I at now? I done got off track. Connie, quit interrupting me, please. No, but it, a gong and a cymbal, right? A gong and a cymbal. You know, it says that, you know, if we speak with the tongue of men and so what that tells me is this, you know, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe that not only you should be born again, but there should be a secondary work of the Holy Spirit that takes place in your life that fills you to overflowing and empowers you to go be, serve others for the kingdom of God. But what the scripture says is this, it says if you, if you speak with the tongues of men and angels, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you, you speak in tongues, but you don't show people love, you're nothing more than an irritation, a gong and a clanging cymbal. You know, just yesterday I was trying to watch some of the college football games, and, and Zach showed up. Unexpe you know, we knew he was coming, but Zach showed up. I'm watching one of the games, and him and Delise are talking back and forth, talking back and forth, talking back and forth. Everybody say, grow in love, Pastor Tommy. 
They were just rah, 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 back and forth. I'm like, I can't hear the guy. I didn't say anything, but under my breath, I'm thinking, I, it was a, right? That's what that's saying. It's saying if you, you can be all, you can be, I mean, the, the stellar poster child Christian when it comes to seeking God and having the gifts. But if you don't walk in love, you're just an irritation to people. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you've built your faith to the point, man, you believe God. I believe God, and you ain't talking me out of it, right? But you don't walk in love to everybody? Notice what it says there. It says, I am nothing. You want to know the, 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 the key, biblical key to be a spiritual nobody? Just don't walk in love. Because if you don't walk in love, you will be a spiritual nobody, according to that verse of Scripture. So, uh, verse 3 says, if I, give all to possess the, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I am nothing. So that goes on to say you can give. You could even lay down your life, but you could do it without love being the motive, right? And what does it say there? It says you gain nothing. You know, how could, I, I thought about that for a minute. You know, the phrase that you ever often heard the phrase, you can, you can uh, uh, give without loving, but you can't love without giving, right? You know, you've heard that phrase. Well, how, how can you give without loving? I mean, if you're giving, right, or if you lay down your life for somebody, well, I think because what it's talking about is it's not talking about a natural love. It's talking about God's kind of love. See, because there are a lot of people that give because they love something, right? And the motive for their giving is because they love something, but it's a natural love. What do I mean by that? Well, how many of you love pizza? We're already getting close to lunchtime. But if you love pizza and you've got your favorite pizza place, you'll drive around your elbow to your arm, right, to get to that pizza place, right? You will sacrifice, right, to get there. But what happens when the pizza ain't good no more? You'll find another pizza place, right? So what, what am I saying there? I'm saying the kind of love the world has, it's a love that gives because it's being given back to, Right? So you could lay down your life for somebody because of the satisfaction it gives you, right? You could give your life to somebody because it satisfies within you some sort of sense of honor you need to live up to. But that's still a selfish motive, right? Real love gives like Jesus gave. The kind of love Jesus has says, I, I give to you because there is nothing in me that wants something for myself. I'm giving to you because I want to bless you. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And so seemingly loving actions can be the exact opposite of God's love in action if the motive is not others before myself. We see this in both our Heavenly Father and in Jesus. You know, some people, and I want to correct a little bit of theology in some of us because, you know, um, uh, you ever heard the phrase, we were created for God's glory? You ever heard that? Who hasn't heard it? We all have. Matter of fact, there's a great song about it. And for thy pleasure we are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord, right? Right? Some people believe that we were created so that we could give glory to God. And actually, that is a twisted way of thinking about it. Notice Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 7. It says, bring all who claim me as their God... 
for I have made them for my glory. It was, it was I who created them. So notice that phrase there says, we were created, and he, he said, I created them for my glory. And so some people think that means that God created us because he needed a bunch of minions that would kowtow to him and worship him. And matter of fact, we even sing worship songs from heartfelt hearts of praise because our attitude is, Lord, man, you deserve all the glory. How I many really? He deserves all the glory. Right? But we sing it from a mindset of, you created me to give you glory. But what that phrase actually means, it doesn't mean we, he created us to be his minions and to give him glory. That, that phrase glory, that word glory is the Hebrew word kabod, C-A-B-O-W-D. And this is what that word means, the definition. In the Hebrew dictionary, it means abundance, riches, the majesty and greatness that surrounds a persona. See, what that verse says is God says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I made them to experience my glory. I made them for my glory. I made them to experience my abundance, my riches, my majesty, my greatness, and the greatness of my persona. I made them so that I could pour myself upon them. That's the kind of God we serve, right? I mean, thinking about it for a moment. If that was not what that verse meant, then that would mean he created us out of a sense of selfishness. Because he needed something from us, and he wanted something from us. He wanted to extract something from us. And unfortunately, that's how most people live their relationship with God. Thinking he wants to extract something from you. That he wants to conform you to something. But that is not the God we serve. The God we serve created you because he loves you. And he wants to pour his love into you. I mean, think about it. It's no different than a mama and a baby. Why do most moms have babies when it's not an accident? <laughs> Because they want to pour love into something. God created you. Now, listen to me. What does that mean then? That means if we understand, and this will change your dynamic with God, if we understand that God created us because he wanted to bless us, and we understand, man, he loves me that much, then it does create in us the right attitude that says, Lord, I'm giving you all the glory. Right? See, the twisted version of that, what I just talked about would be okay that we're the center of the universe, right? And everything revolves around us. Well, that's a bunch of hocus pocus too. That ain't right, right? He is the creator. He's the ultimate. But I want to tell you something. The reason he's the ultimate is because there's no self in him. Because that's what he's called us to as our example. Otherwise, it would be like, do what I say, but don't do what I do. And God never tells us to live a life that is not like him. He's called us to be an example of him. And so when we look at this type of love we're talking about, it's not a type of love that is self-serving. It is a love that says, I want to bless you just because I love you. Just because I want the best for you. There's no me in it. Ephesians chapter 2, we see it clearly. It says, because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. So what does he say? It's because of his love that he did what he did. It wasn't because he needed something from us. I mean, realize God is God. He don't need nothing from you. He don't even need you to give him all the glory. Right? What he, what, but he, he's a God that's like, it ain't about me. I want to bless you. It says he, it says, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order. Notice this. Why did he do it? 
in order that the coming ages we might bow down and kowtow to him and worship him and tell him how great he is. No, I will tell you what, the bowing down, the kowtowing, and the giving him all the praise is something you see people do that recognize how good he is, and it is the right response for every one of us. So don't get it twisted and think, I ain't saying that. But we, I give God the praise not because he put his thumb on me and made me. I give God the praise because he gave his son to die for me. And because of that, he deserves the honor. Notice what it says. In order that in the coming ages, that tells me he ain't done blessing you yet. In the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, what is that saying? That's saying God created you to be someone he could bless and love if you'll just get onto the spout where the glory comes out. Amen. If you just get in line, he'll bless you. He's that kind of God. He loves you that much. And that's the same attitude Jesus had when he gave. I'm going to spend a little time on this this morning before I get to the point of what love is and how we can apply it to our lives because we have to understand that God is our example. Jesus is our example. And there is nothing in him that says you need to serve me because I'm God and you need to bend a knee. That ain't God. God says, I am God and I want to bless you and love you so much. And whether you accept it or not, I'm still going to love you because there's a lot of people who don't accept it and he still loves them. Woo, that's worth shouting and running in circles around the church about, amen? Because he's a good God. Jesus gave with this no consideration for himself either. How many of you realize Jesus, when he died on the cross, it wasn't to gain lordship and preeminence and to say, I'm the supreme master of the universe. Scripture tells us why he gave. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for their own, his own interest, but also the interest of others. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. He said, don't do this, do what Jesus did. So what that tells me is there was no selfish ambition, there was no conceit, there was no desire to be the chief preeminent spiritual being of the universe. It says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. There was nothing in him that said, I'm doing this for me. Everything in him said, I'm doing this for you. There was no self in Jesus. There is no self. In God, they are very much oriented towards, I want to bless you. He actually rid himself of any quest for gain. And we see this stark, so we see this stark difference in the kind of love that gives because of the benefit that's garnered from it. And the kind of love that gives because it simply says, I don't care about what benefit I get out of this. I just want, you, I just want to bless you. I just want to bless you regardless of whether I get or don't get out of it. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And that tells me a few things. First of all, it tells me this. We can give with our motives seated in personal gain, but that's not love. Giving simply to get is not love. You know, I want to kick over a charismatic sacred cow. Everybody say charismatic. You know, back in the 1970s when people were exiting sometimes denominational churches, uh, they, 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 these denominational church, these, these non-denominational, quote, churches would start talking about, you know, well, we're kicking over a bunch of religious sacred cows, right? Denominational cows. 
Well, we've been around long enough as full gospel, non-denominational folks. We got our own sacred cows, right? And I want to eliminate one because there's one that's out there that's detrimental to the body of Christ and it's detrimental to uh, the image of who Jesus is. You ever heard the phrase, if you got a need, sow a seed? You ever heard that before? If you got a need, find somewhere to give so God can take that seed and bless it and give it back to you, right? I can tell you right now, that is an unbiblical principle. It is an absolutely selfish reason for giving, and self cannot be in actions that are motivated by the love of God. You know, they'll even use the story of the widow woman who, you know, uh, Elijah came to her and, you know, she had just a little bit of food and, 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 and Elijah said, you know, give, give me something to eat. And, and, and she, what was her response? Well, this is all I got. And so they'll teach, well, you know, this old widow woman, this is all she had. And so Elijah was teaching her, if you got a need, sow a seed. No, I got to tell you, the reason God blessed her is because that woman cared more about the kingdom of God and the prophet than she cared about her own need, Period. And that was the motive that blessed, got her to be blessed. So we need to understand that our giving can't be given with a motivation that says, you know, I'm giving to get. Like when you sow your offerings. That's why at this church I do my dead level best to try not to talk about the offering that much, to be honest with you. You know, matter of fact, there have been times as a pastor I haven't even taught on it because I felt like, you know what, I got a need as a church. So I'm like, no, can't talk to them about giving when I want to get something out of it. Or the church wants to get something out of it. So I've been thinking, maybe I need to call somebody else in to teach on it so I don't have to worry about that, right? But the reality is, is I mean, we try to keep an integri- a, a, a position of integrity here that we're never going to ask you to give because we need something. We'll present need, but I want you given because you love the kingdom of God, you want to bless the kingdom of God, and God's told you to do it, not because some, uh, some preacher up here twisted your arm about how bad things are or how much it's needed, Right? And I'll never do that. Why? Because the Bible says my God will meet all my needs according to riches and glory. He'll meet this church's needs according to riches and glory. And so it doesn't say you'll meet his needs. It says God will. If he chooses to use you and you obey him, that's great. But if he doesn't, God will just find another channel. Amen? Come on now. Hallelujah. Sick them, pastor. So we don't need to be people that give to get. Don't give to get. Give to bless. Don't be somebody that gives with all, well, you know, if I give it here, they might like me a little bit more. If I give it here, they, you know, if I give it here, they might think a little more how, or I give it here, it might grease the skids a little bit, right? Or something good to happen later. Don't give that way. It's insincere. It's disingenuous. It's not real. It's not real love. Real love says, I'm going to give to you regardless of whether I get anything. Does that mean you don't believe God for the return? Absolutely believe God for the return, but that's just a fringe benefit, I'm going to tell you, there have been plenty of times in my life where I thought about sowing something because I had a need and I didn't give it for that very reason, because it won't work. It won't work. Why? Because faith works by love, and if you're giving out of selfish need, you're giving out of greed, and you ain't going to get nothing from it. Only the person that's trying to extract it from you potentially will get something out of it. Amen. Or oh me. This also tells me this, we can also give to satisfy a sense of false righteousness, and it's nothing more than a good work. You know, there are a lot of people, the only reason they give is because they think, well, I got to do this because I got to obey God. I got to do this because this is what pleases God. Well, you're more concerned about pleasing God than the person you're giving to. That ain't right either. Everybody say we're growing up. Right? I mean, you, you hear a message like this, like, man, I'll never get there. <laughs> but we're talking about growing. 
You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Lord, why are you having me teach like this on love? Why are you having me six weeks and six weeks more and you're telling me already in my own heart there's 13 to come behind that? Why are you teaching on this love? I, I honestly believe this. I believe there are a group of people that need to know that God loves them. That he wants to send to us. But we got to qualify for them to come. So how do we got to qualify for them to come? We got to have hearts that are pure. That love people. Not for what we can get out of them. Not because they fill another seat and make another seat warm in this church. But because we love them regardless of whether we can pay to afford them or not. We want to bless them. That's our heart, Right? That's what we need to do. And so we can't give out of a sense of self-righteousness. There's a lot of people that, you know, they'll give because it makes them feel good. Or maybe it makes them look good in the eyes of others. Or maybe even they feel like it keeps them in God's good graces. But if your motive for giving is that you get something out of it, it is the wrong motive for giving. Once again, uh, 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 the the initial motive of our heart in giving should always be this. This is real simple. Genuine care and concern for others. You give because you care. God's love has this ability to stop and look past the I don't feel like it or I don't have it because I see the need, right? See, if you give only because you get something out of it, then when you stop getting something out of it, you'll stop giving. You'll stop being a lover. You'll stop being expressing God's love. That's, that's a worldly kind of love, right? People give into a marriage. I'm getting something from them, so I'm going to love them. But when I stop getting what I don't, then I'm going to start yelling at them. Right? But God's love says even when you ain't giving, I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep blessing. I'm going to keep helping. I'm going to be a giver. Amen? Amen. And so let's build a little bit upon, upon that thought about God's love because it cares. It gives with no sense of self in it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, And as the apostle of Christ... This is Paul writing, as, a, as, an apost- as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. Everybody said like a mother caring. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Notice, God's love causes us to nurture and care. And that's really what I want to spend the rest of this service on this morning, is that God's love cares about people. Not only does it forgive, not only does it not avenge, all those things we've talked about, but God's love cares about people. It sees past what you see on the outside of a person and can be felt and can can, can look at a person and feel on the inside of them the need that they may have. It genuinely cares. We see this in Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among them. Well, that's good news, right? That's the Jesus we serve. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, everybody say saw the multitudes. See, you know, I watched a lot of football yesterday, and you know what? They'd show these grand high visions of these full stadiums. And how many of you realize when they show that high, you know, drone view of the stadium and you see it all full with the different colors, you don't see anybody. You just see a crowd, right? You see a stadium full, but you don't see individuals, And what this verse says is Jesus saw the multitudes and it caused him to be moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep 
having no shepherd. He saw past the crowd and saw the individual needs. He saw the hurts of people. He saw the concerns of people. And because of that, he didn't just see crowds, he saw individuals. You know, I remember one time as a young man, I was standing on the front porch of a church that I was working in, and um, I, was, I was the outreach director at the time, and, and we were trying to uh, rally the church around an outreach effort and get a lot of people coming out to serve for that outreach effort. And I was standing on the front porch, and I was praying, and I was like, God, how, how can I get them to see? How can I get them to understand that this is not about building a church? This is not about filling seats. This is about people that have hurts and needs. And I was praying this on the front porch of this church while it was pouring down rain. I mean, like, how many of you saw the buckets of rain that came down at the Tech game yesterday? It was pouring down like that. And I was standing on the front porch, and I saw this water rushing down this paved uh, driveway and coming towards the uh, circular drain styles. And as it was hitting them, you know, it was swirling going into it. It was so much water. You could walk, and you've probably been up to your calves and water coming down that park, that driveway. Or that parking lot. And I was looking at it as I was praying. I was like, man, just in naturally in my mind, man, that's a lot of water. And I heard the Spirit of God to me, say to me, look closer. I was looking at all the mass of water, and he said, look closer. And as I looked closer, I saw the raindrops falling on the water, and I saw the individual splashes. And the Lord said, do you realize the masses are made up of individuals? And if you'll look past the mass, and you'll see the person, you'll see the need, you'll see the hurt, and you'll be moved with compassion. That's the kind of compassion Jesus had. He saw past the multitudes, and he saw the individual. My question for you this morning is, have you slowed down enough to see the people in your life to really see them? i got to tell you, we need to grow in that love in the same way. Do you see your fellow church member with that same mindset? This morning as you've come in and meeted and greeted and fellowship and saw the smile and the handshake, have you stopped for a moment? That don't weird them out, right? Let me look at you for a minute. No. But have you stopped in your heart and your mind for a moment and to say, I wonder if they're hurting. wonder what they're really going through. What's, 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 what's beneath the, the smile that I see on their face? See, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 says, The members of the body should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. This verse tells us we should care for one another. The love of God that should be manifest in this place should be a love that cares and recognizes when someone is suffering and hurting. That means we need to slow down and really look at each other sometimes. In the course of our week, you know, I think one of the tactics and ploys of the enemy is just to keep us so busy and so focused on a goal that we don't stop for a moment and contemplate the people that we love in our lives to ask the kind of questions of, are they hurting? Do I need to be praying for them? Is there something I can do to help them? Jesus addressed this kind of love that cares for others in the story of the uh, Good Samaritan, but I'm going to set it up here with an individual who really didn't care at all about loving someone and slowing down. Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I want you to notice his question first of all. Now, how many realize that's a valid question? Amen, right? I mean, how many of you want to go to heaven and have eternal life? (laughs) So ain't nothing inherently wrong with asking that question but we're going to see that this guy didn't care anything about anybody other than himself (laughs) 
He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? <laughs> well, we should know already by that that he had his motives were. What's written in the law? What's, what's it say in black and white, right? No care for anything, no, just, just black and white. And he answered, Jesus answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willingly, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now i got to tell you something, as we look at the nature of this guy, he wasn't asking who is my neighbor so he could figure out who he could love. He was trying to figure out who he didn't have to love. And the reason we see that is because, you know, it says there he came to tempt him. He was trying to justify himself. Those aren't positive motivating factors. This guy had the wrong attitude. And he was coming to figure out who is it that I don't, how, many, how, many, how few people can I get away with loving? Right? How many realize we don't need to be like that guy? We need to figure out how many we can love. How many we can give of ourselves to. Luke chapter 10 and verse 33, chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus goes on to tell us the example of that we should follow as believers. It says, And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now I gotta tell you, that's a picture of the lost world. Right? How many of you realize if you ain't born again, your spirit ain't alive, you're half dead, you're just a walking zombie. Verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest. Now how many of you realize that seems like the right thing, man? A guy that, a priest, he should be willing to help him. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite. Well, there's another religious guy. That seems like the right guy to help him. When he was at the place, came and looked at him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. There's the care, right? And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. How many of you realize you can't take care of somebody if you don't care? You're just doing your time if otherwise. You're just fulfilling the work. But verse 35 says, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him. <laughs> This guy matters, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And when all, which of now of these three thinketh thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he, sa and he, sa and he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, go and do, do likewise, or do thou likewise. So what was he saying? He was saying the attitude shouldn't be how few people we can help, but it should be based on the care that, and the people that we see that have needs. Verse 31 and 32 tell us about the Levite and the priest. They, first of all, that tells me you can be too busy to show God's love. These guys were on the way from Jerusalem to Samaria, or Jericho, or Jasmera, whatever the story told you. I should know that. I've read it a million times. They were, they were on the way from point A to point B. They had a goal. They were busy. I got to get there, right? And too busy to stop and see a need and help. If you're too busy to be a blessing to others, then you're just too busy. Amen. If you're too busy to serve in your church, you're too busy. If you're too busy to stop and help somebody, you're too busy. 
We need to be people that slow down and serve, not because we have to fulfill an obligation and not because Pastor Tommy just said that, but because our heart is overwhelmed with love for people and we want to be a blessing to them because that's how Jesus was. Not only that, you can not only be too busy, you can be too holy. See, the Levite and the priest were the two holy guys, and there was written in Scripture, you go over and you touch somebody who's issuing blood, you're unclean. So one of the reasons they didn't go over and help was because they didn't want to be unclean, right? If you're too holy to help somebody, you're too holy. You're just self-righteous. Amen. We're called to be people that love others. It also tells me you can be too greedy. Everybody say too greedy. The Samaritan, not only did he give of his time, but what else did he do? I mean, he gave of his substance. He, 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 he ruined his schedule, <laughs> took the guy to where he needed to be. Then he paid money for the guy to stay there, and he said, you know what? I don't have any more money, but when I come back and make a little more, I'm going to make a little more to help him. <laughs> right? You know, I said it before. You can love, you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. That's why Jesus said, you know, he didn't say where your treasure is, where your heart is, so it'd be a nice token offering message for preachers to condemn people into giving. <laughs> what he was saying is, is if you, you can look at your heart and you can see where you spend your money, that's what you care about, right? I mean, I got to tell you, I spend a lot of money on my kids. Why? Because I care about them. <laughs> Maybe more than I should sometimes, right? So what that verse says is, is what you care, and what we see there is, is what you care about is what you'll give to. The Samaritan, not only did he give his time, not only did he give his money, not only give his resources, he just allowed his life to be interrupted because he was slow enough to see a need instead of too busy to re not recognize it. Caring, nurturing love is willing to have every aspect of its life interrupted. If we're going to grow in the love of Christ, right? If we truly want to reach, you know, I've got to tell you, the Lord is really placing in my heart here the last month. You know, we, we actually, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we invited the surrounding neighborhood to join us by passing out flyers. And as we were preparing to do that the very first time, and as we knelt around the altar and prayed over those flyers before we took them out, you know, I encouraged the group and said, look, this is not about building a church. This is not about that. I've been about that at times. I'll be honest with you, in the past, as a pastor of this church, but it was absolutely not about building a church and adding new members. This was absolutely about, Lord, help us see the needs of the people we're giving this to. Help us touch the lives of people that need to know you love them and have an answer, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Right? So the Lord's really placed in me this burden for our surrounding neighborhoods here, just these two surrounding neighborhoods. Man, I've just been praying, Lord, there are people in there that have needs. You love them. You care about them. Help us be their neighborhood church. Not so that we grow, but so we can really help them. But i got to tell you, here's the deal. To be able to satisfy that, that, that cry of our heart, we have to be willing. You know, be careful what you ask for, right? We have to be willing to give of ourselves. We have to be willing to give of our time. We have to be willing of sacrifice and love people really love people see because that's what love does it touches people at re in real places in their life as the musicians come matthew chapter 20 and verse 29 we see this about jesus 
In Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 through 31, it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There's a large crowd again. You know, we always have large crowds in our life. You may be a hermit, but you've got large crowds in your life. You've got tons of things competing for your attention. Tons of things competing for your attention. It says, a large crowd followed them. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. I want you to think about this for a minute. These blind men felt like there was an answer out there somewhere, and maybe Jesus was the answer. So they're screaming while the crowds are thronging over them, possibly even stepping on them, knocking them out of the way. They're screaming, Jesus, help us. Notice verse 31. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But I got to love tenacity. You got to love desperation. Sometimes being in a desperate spot is the best place you can be for your faith. Because they, it says, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd didn't see these two men's need, they just saw them as a distraction on the way to their attraction. Right? I got something I'm going to. Quit bugging me. Quit, quit disturbing me. I've got something I'm saving for. I've got something I'm doing with my time. Quit distracting me. They were more concerned about the attraction of Jesus than the distraction that stood before them. You know, one of the things you'll notice about Jesus and really anybody that followed him is this. Typically, the most meaningful conversations, the most meaningful things happen when they were a distraction on the way to what Jesus was going to do. Go back and read it. You'll see it. He was going here and got disturbed. He was going here, got disturbed. He was going here, got disturbed. And those are the things. God didn't talk a lot of times about what he was going to do. He just said they're going there and then never talked about it again. Jesus was looking for the distraction. And I don't mean the distraction in a bad way. He was looking for the need. He was looking for the one that would cry out in faith. He was looking for the one that would believe him. He was looking for the one that was at their wit's end that said, I don't know what else to do. I need God. He was looking for the distraction. Let us be willing to be like Jesus. But that also tells me something important for each of us here this morning. Your need is is not unimportant to God. Your situation that you're dealing with is not unimportant to him. He doesn't see you as a distraction in the grand scheme of his great plan. He's looking for you to raise your voice and say, Hey, I just recognize you love me enough that I could call out and ask for your help. See, Isaiah 49 verse 14 says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. See, we can come to places in our own life where we feel like, Man, this is really hard. I, I, don't, I don't think he's helping. I, I don't think he cares about this one. You know, the devil lied to you like that, right? You'll know that, you know, we can buy, oh, God cares, Jesus loves you, see the bumper sticker, but deep down in our heart we're thinking, does he really care? I'm, I'm struggling here. That's where Zion, that's where this, this group of people were at. They were saying, Lord's forsaken me, the Lord's forgotten me. But this is what God's response is. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. 
See, some people say, well, there are a lot of bad mamas out there who don't care about their babies. She said, well, if they are bad mamas, that, then that's not the best illustration. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I care about your situation. I didn't forget about what you're going through. I see your need. But you know what? The way he touches others' needs most of the time is not through him coming down on a cloud and speaking to us. He does it through others, through people that he's called to show his love. And I can tell you, even this morning, God sees your need, whatever you're dealing with. You may feel like this is taking longer than I thought it would take. This is, he must have forgotten. I, I must not be on his good list anymore. You ever been there? Don't ever let time or the slowness of an answered prayer cause you to diminish in your belief that God cares for you and he's working behind the scenes to bless you. Psalm 94 and verse 8 through 19 says this. It says, I cried out. If you ain't ever been at this spot in your life, I promise you, you will be at some point. But I'm so grateful for the mercy and kindness of God because I've been in this place in my life before. I cried out, I'm slipping. <laughs> no matter how much I believe I'm an overcomer and a conqueror, I've been at places in my life where I've cried out, I'm slipping. Maybe you're there that this morning. But your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. God cares. And although I'm encouraging us to be people that care for others, I really felt like at the end of this message, I wanted to encourage you to let you know no matter what you're going through, God has not forgotten you. You're not just a face in a crowd. You're not just a number. He sees you individually, and he sees your need, and he cares for you. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14 says, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. See, the thing about Jesus is it's not a patronizing care. It's a care that not only cares, but then brings action with it. Amen? Now, I've, I've had this rolling around in my heart all week. I've had this rolling around in my heart all week long. We need to be people that see the needs of each other. That truly look at each other and say, you know what, they may be going through it. So Lisa, you here? You got an empty offering bucket. I need an empty one. Just I want an empty one right here in front of the altar here. I just think we need to be people that act upon what God said us to do, said to do. And this person didn't know I was planning to do this, but I'm going to do it. Because I can't get away from it, because I love them. Kyle and Jen, Kyle's been out of work. He's been over here every day working his rear end off to do things at the church just to keep himself busy. And he's been doing some things here and there, and others have reached out to him. But I want to do something as a church body for this family. I want us to be an expression of our love for this family as faith in action. This is, this is who we are. We care for each other. Does this mean next person out of work we're going to do this for? No, because I'm going to do what the Spirit of God tells me to do, and this is what he's telling me to do. I want to take up an offering for Kyle and Jen. So do me a favor, reach in that top little section of my, my thing there. Just unzip that, give me my wallet, and pull all the cash out of it. I don't know how much it is. Just pull every bit of it out. I'm giving all I got. 
I'm only doing this not to say, hey, look how great pastor is. I'm doing it as an example. There was a time where David raised money for the kingdom of God, and he gave as an example. So I'm giving it as an example. Kyle, we love you. You found a place where people really care. I don't just say they care. And so I'm just going to ask that before you leave today, I'm not going to ask you to do, because the Bible says don't do it openly. I don't want you to give because, well, what if I didn't have any money to give? You can give online. Go online and just put special after your gift. Right? You can just put special and we'll bless them that way. But I mean, I, I want to give enough money that'll carry them until that job lands because he's got a job. We've already claimed it in Jesus' name. You say, well, what, what, well, what if he really don't need it? How many, how many realize it would be? Then he's just got blessed because it ain't about that. It's about a heart that cares and loves. We want to be that kind of church. Amen? We want to show and express the love of God. So I'm not going to have you come forward and bring it forward now, but as we're leaving, just sort of quietly drop, come up here and drop it in here, and then if you'll count it as a separate amount, we're going to bless them. Amen? Not before what we can get out of it, but just because we love. That's the kind of church we're called to be. We are called to be people that care and give with no motive of what can I get out of this. Now, I will tell you this. This is what I will tell you. I will tell you this. When you give with that kind of attitude, you better get ready because there's blessing coming your way. Don't give to get. Give to bless. But then thank God. Amen. He will help you. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for what we've done today. I've, I've, I've followed my heart. I've done the best I can to follow my heart. And if I've overstepped in certain areas, just, just let people forget it. But I believe you've called us as a church body to express our love to this family as they're going through a situation. And I thank you that you love them, you care about them, and I just thank you for blessing them. Setting them up through this offering. I, Lord, let it be more than we've ever received as a church. I don't care how much it is. It don't matter, just we're gonna give them every bit of it, every dollar of it's gonna go to them. Let it set them up for success. Thank you for it, Father. Bless them. And Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, if there are others here that have needs, you see their situation as well. You haven't forgotten. They're not slipping. You see them. And I pray for their needs. I pray you'll bless them. I pray you'll help them. I pray you'll reach out and just touch them. If they're hurting in their physical bodies right now, Lord, supernaturally touch their bodies. If they feel shamed and unforgiven, Lord, that your love would sweep over them right now and they would know that they're right with you. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. That as they turn their heart towards you and ask you to forgive them, forgive, them for, forgive them for their sins, you do just that. If they're emotionally hurting right now, I pray, Father God, they wouldn't isolate themselves from others, but they would surround themselves with people of faith that love them and care for them, that come in all sorts of shapes and sizes that we're probably not used to. I thank you for that, Father. We give you praise and thanks. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. I want to encourage you this morning. There is an open door for you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you need to do that today, you just sense in your heart, man, I need this kind of love in my life. I've never. Just raise your hand right where you're at right now and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? We'll wait just a moment. Or maybe you've fallen away and you need to rededicate your life. Anyone that needs to do that this morning? Anyone at all? wait just a moment. 
and I believe we're all believers. Amen? Amen. Then look up here at me. Two verses of Scripture. I don't know about you. (laughs) Maybe next time you think of Pastor Tommy, you think of a basketball with no air in it. (laughs) All the self is being drained out of me. Man, God, get it out, get it out, get it out. Right? Let Jesus live through us. Let's be people of the love of God. First Thessalonians says, We weren't aloof with you. We took you just as you were. We were never patronizing, never condescending, but we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly. We wanted to give you our hearts, and we did. That's the kind of people we want to be. A new commandment I give unto you, John chapter 13, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to dismiss. Father, thank you so much for each person here. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take self out of us, that you would take ulterior motives and selfish reasons for desiring things out of us, Father, and we would truly be people like Jesus and like you who simply want to be a blessing, who simply want to give, who simply want to help, who simply want to defer, who simply want to put others first, who simply want to just be the examples of Jesus you've called us to be. Help us be that church. Help us be those individuals. Thank you, Father, for changing us. That we just won't religiously come to church. We'll allow these words to permeate our lives and grow us up. I give you praise and thanks for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. We're going to dismiss your prayer partners. If you'll go ahead and make your way to the front here, if you have a specific need you want prayer for that you did not have someone join with you in prayer about and you'd like to be prayed for, just come and let them know they'll be over here to pray for you and pray with you and believe God for answers. If you did have something to give towards them, go ahead and bring that forward here as we're dismissed. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that your angels are camped about them. You love them. You care about them. You're looking out for them. They abide under the shadow of the Almighty God, and whatever they put their hand to prospers. So I thank you for prosperity, health, and protection in their lives this week, and that they're touching lives and being lights of who you are to the world around them, and they're bringing back lost and hurting people who need to know how much you love them. I give you praise and thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hope to see you Wednesday night. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.